Living on a prayer. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Your iPhones, just get your version Bible out as well. And let's look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9, the Lord's Prayer. We unpacked some of this last week. The scripture says, this then is how you should pray. This is Jesus talking. And last week we covered the previous verses to, to, to this scripture where last week we talked about finding a time and a place. Uh, we, we, we talked about that. We also talked about how you don't have to go and babble and babble and babble the same things over for God to, to hear you. We covered that last week and, 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 and we, we went on to talk about this portion of scripture here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we, we unpacked last week that prayer starts with God, not with us. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And last week we also talked about how prayer is surrendering our will to God's will. And, and we illustrated that for you last week. And verse number 11 says, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want us to zoom our attention to verse number 11. Give us today our daily bread. Notice not our weekly bread, not our monthly bread, not our yearly bread, but Jesus said our prayer should be for our daily bread. I also want you to notice that two times in six words, God reminds us to depend on him daily. Notice this. It says, give us today. Everybody shout today. Give us today our daily. Everybody shout daily. Bread. Give us today our daily bread. We need to depend on God daily. Question. Question. How do we pray this and really mean it in a society where many people can go buy enough bread for a month? Many of you in this place today, you may not even realize this or haven't given it much thought. Many of you in this place today, you don't just have today's bread. At home, you got tomorrow's bread. Many of you got next week's bread. Crackers in the cupboard and potato chips and Twinkies and, and cereal. You, you, you have enough food right now at the house to, to last you several days, to last you a, a week. How many of you are, are like me and especially how I grew up? When, when, when I grew up in Revoca, Oklahoma, all my relatives would call my mom a pack rat. She loved to store up stuff. And, and I can remember growing up in Wewoka and we would get the daily Oklahoma paper, the Wewoka paper, and it would be a sale. Moore's IGA would be having a sale on canned goods, three, four dollar. And mama would get us kids in the car and take us to the store. Me, my older brother, my younger sister, we would all go into the store and we would buy three cans of corn and we would all get in separate lines. We'd pay for it. And we'd come back to the car like we was fooling somebody. I mean, we woke us no bigger than this platform. You know what I mean? I mean uh, and, and then here's what mama would do. Mama would give us all another dollar piece and say, go back in and get one more set. And so we would all go back into the store, serious, and, and ashamed and embarrassed, but we couldn't disobey mama, get three more cans of corn, and then get in, all of us get in different lines like we fooling somebody. Everybody we woke up knows everybody. Like, there are them Andre Cooper kids. Look at them. Got three more cans of corn. Get in another line, one number three lines anyway, but get in a different line this time, pay for the corn, and go back out. Because mama was stocking up on canned goods. 
And at the Cooper house, not only did we stock up on canned goods, we, we stocked up on toilet paper some. How many of you are, grew up in a home like that or you still do that today? You stock up on stuff, canned goods. How, how many of you stock up like my, my mom? You stock up on toilet paper. You know what I mean? You stock, huh? In the Cooper house, I mean, we were ready for a diarrhea outbreak. Huh? If there was a diarrhea epidemic, we were ready. How the whole neighborhood could come get wiped up. Amen. I mean, we were, we stocked up, baby. And in a society where we've got refrigerators with food and deep freezers with food and we've got cupboards full of canned goods and and we've got retirement accounts, 401Ks, saving accounts, checking accounts, how do we depend on God today for our daily bread? There can be some challenges to that in the 21st century. And yet Jesus tells us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Jesus says, I want you to depend on me daily. What I want to do today is give you four barriers that stop us from depending on God. Four barriers that stop us from depending on God. And, and today I want to look at the books, uh, book of Exodus and talk to you from the Israelites. You see, the Israelites, they, the, when, when Jesus said to these Jewish boys, give Give us today our daily bread. Their minds immediately went to the Israelites. And their minds, because they grew up with Jewish customs, they grew up knowing the Torah, the, 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 the first several books of the Bible. They, they grew up knowing what, what the Scripture says. And they immediately thought back to the, the book of Exodus where, where, these, where the Israelites had, had been brought out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And they were in the desert where there were no stores, there were no vegetation, there was no food. And every single day for 40 years... Every day, God sent this miracle bread called manna. Every day, he provided their daily bread. And that's what the Israelites thought about when they heard Jesus pray this prayer, give us today our daily bread. And yet the Israelites, who had daily miracle bread from heaven, they had some challenges on depending on God. They had some barriers to depend on the Lord on a daily basis. And what I want to do to you today is I want to talk to you from the Israelites' challenges, and it's the same challenges that we have in the 21st century. There's some barriers that stop us from depending on God. Number one is this. Number one is this. Complaining. Complaining. Israel constantly complained about their needs while they were in the desert. And when people constantly complain, it's a strong indication that they're not trusting and depending on God for their daily bread. Let me show this to you. We're going to be in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, for the remainder of this message. Exodus 16, verse 2. The scripture says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled or complained against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And instead of depending on God, Israel complained. Now, now, catch this. Israel was complaining because they were in the middle of the desert. There was no food, no vegetation. That, that There was a lack of food, so it drove them to complain. But the truth of the matter is this. Having plenty isn't a cure for complaining. Prosperity isn't a cure for complaining. You see, 
Many of us, we, we struggle with this because we stand in front of a closet full of clothes and declare things like, we don't have anything to wear. <laughs> complaining. Prosperity is not a cure for complaining. Many of us will sit at a dinner with macaroni and cheese and meatloaf and declare, I wish we had pizza more often. We will drive our car to work and pull into the parking lot and we see our co-workers car every day and we'll say things like, I wish I had their car. And we find ourselves complaining, complaining, complaining. And friends, instead of complaining, you and I, we need to be grateful. We need to be grateful that God has provided our daily bread, daily bread, daily bread, to be grateful for his provision. I mean, we, we ought to be grateful that we pay taxes because that means we have a job. And God's provided our daily bread. We, we, we ought to be grateful for dirty floors that we have to vacuum because that means we got a place to live. And God has provided daily bread. We, we, we ought to be de- grateful for the dirty dishes last night because that means there was food on the table. And God provided our daily bread. We, we ought to be grateful for the parking spot at the store that's all the way back in the back of the parking lot. And we're hot because we have to walk all the way into the store from the back of the parking lot. But we ought to thank the Lord for that because we got our health to walk. And God has provided our daily bread. We, we ought to be faithful when the alarm clock goes off at 5.30 in the morning and it's time to get up and go to work because that means we're still alive and we're still breathing and we ought to be grateful for God's daily I'm trying to, amen, I'm trying. We ought to be grateful for God's daily bread. And when you and I complain and I struggle with this, you struggle with this, it's a sign that we're not depending on our heavenly Father. Give us today our daily bread. Help us to be grateful and not to complain. Number two is this, a a second barrier, not trusting God's word, not trusting God's word. Notice back in Exodus chapter 16, verse number four through five, the scripture says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. I only want them to gather enough for that day, not extra. I'll supply bread the next day as well, but just enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. I want them to be obedient to my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. In other words, on the sixth day, they need to gather double the amount of bread because the seventh day is the Sabbath. And I don't want them working or cooking on the Sabbath. So on the sixth day, get enough bread to last two days. And that was God's instructions to the Israelites. And the Bible goes on to say down in verse number 20 in Exodus chapter 16. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, or that would be God because God is the one that told Moses, the instructions. Doesn't that sound like us sometimes? However, the people who attend people's church pay no attention to God. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. 
So Moses was angry with them. They weren't obedient to God. They didn't trust God's word. Exodus chapter 16, several verses down, verse 27 and 28 says, Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. God said, have enough for six days. On the sixth day, get double the amount, and then on the seventh day, rest. But they didn't do that. The Bible says, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? And friends, Israel knew what God said to do, but they didn't do it. It didn't make sense to them. You know what Israel thought? They thought they had a better plan than God. It reminds me what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3 when it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And Israel was leaning on their own understanding. Israel thought, you know what? God's plan doesn't make any sense to us. Our plan makes more sense to us, so we're going to do our plan instead of God's plan. We're going to lean on our own understanding. And guess what? Their plan did not work out very well. Isn't that true in life? And their plan got maggots in the leftover bread. And guess what? Guess what? This, this amazes me. It's hard for me to really comprehend this. But when Israel did what God told them to do, when Israel trusted what God's word said, guess what happened? Forty years, every single day, God sent this manna bread every day. When they obeyed God's word, God provided daily bread. And friends, God tells us to do one thing. Everybody shout one thing. God tells you and me to do one thing to receive daily bread for all our needs. And I want to share that one thing with you. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to get back to Exodus, our main scripture today in a few moments. But Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31 says, so do not worry. And boy, can I tell you, there's a lot of that happening today in The Christian world, in the non-Christian world, there's a lot of worry. People in these economic challenging times, they're worrying. The Bible says, don't worry what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. Don't worry about your basic necessities, food and and drink and, and clothes. Jesus goes on to say, for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father No, he says, listen, the people who don't know me, who don't believe in me, who don't trust me, that they run after clothes and and food and, 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 and drink. He says, listen, your heavenly father knows that you need them. Everybody shout knows. Think about this. God knows. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, either you believe that God knows and he cares or you don't. And if you're here and you don't believe God knows or he cares, and if you're a seeker, man, keep coming, keep, 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 keep trying to kick the tires around about this Christianity thing. I believe that God's going to reveal to you and show you that he is Christ. He is Lord. His son died on the cross for your sins. But if you're here and you call yourself a believer and you don't believe that God knows and God cares, why come to church? Well, why are you doing this religious deal? I mean, if you don't believe that God knows and God cares about you, why are you doing this thing? I mean, stay at the house. But but if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you're like me, I believe there's a God. I believe he knows what's going on in my life. I believe that he cares. And if there's a God like that in heaven, why would I lean on my own understanding? Why would I live life like there is no God? 
Why would I depend on my own ingenuity and wisdom instead of what God says? And Jesus says, listen, 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 listen. You're worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink. Man, people don't, don't know God. Worry about this stuff. But listen, listen. God knows. God knows. God cares. God knows. Verse 33. Here's what I want you to do. But seek first. That's the one thing. But seek first. In other words, rearrange your priorities. In other words, you have a list of things in your life, and you may have to rearrange that list because your list may be in the wrong order. Seek, 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 seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness. Seek first God's deal. Put, put God first. I, invite God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. And listen to what Jesus says. And all these things you've been worrying about and staying up late about and biting your fingers off, fingernails off and arguing with your spouse about will be given to you as well. Put God first. Now, now here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. For, for many followers of Christ, and there are many of you out here today, the problem with many people is, is God's on the list. He's just not first. God's on the list, and he may be down second, he may be five, third, he may be fifth. And Jesus said, if you want this deal to work, if you want, if you want me to get involved in your deal, listen, I'm not selling for second best. I'm not going to let you do your own thing and, and run your own life and be in charge of your own life. And all of a sudden, you get in trouble. Lord, help me. That's not how I operate. Listen, the way that I meet your daily needs, the way that I, I provide all these other things for you is when you seek me first. When, when I'm the deal, when, when I'm in charge. I mean, when you follow me, you put me first. And one of the ways that we do that in the monetary realm is by returning the tithe and honoring God with the first 10%. They say, God, you know what? I seek you first in this area so that you can provide all of my other needs. And here's the deal. Some of you are new to people's church. You, you, you don't know me that well. And it's unfortunate that every time a, a, a preacher or pastor talks about this subject, red flags go up. And I want you to know, man, you can relax here. If you have an issue, a deal here about what I'm saying, go to another church and do what I'm telling you. Start tithing. Put God first and watch him bless you. You don't have to do it here. I just so desperately, desperately want God's people to trust him and watch him provide daily bread. When you seek God first, when you put him first, because here's the challenge that, that we all have is many people seek me first. They seek me first. They want God to bless them. They, 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 they put them first and then they want God to get involved in their deal. And God says, listen, listen, when you put me first, you return the first 10 percent to me. You honor me. I get involved in your deal. I know what you need. I just want to be first. And when you put me first, I get involved in your deal. And I meet your needs. And there's a lady, and it really excites me. It's a young lady in our church, a college student, who several months ago started seeking God first, rearranged her priorities. And it's been really exciting, the journey she's been on, watching God provide daily bread. I want you to hear Vanessa's testimony. Check out this video. There's a lot of things going on in my life, you know, family situations, relationship situations, stress with school, trying to get into graduate school, and I just was constantly stressed out, never knew. I always felt like I was on the edge, just about to fall over one day. The church that I was going to, um, I was looking for a new church home, 
and um, came here, started visiting. Absolutely loved the environment. I felt so comfortable. I felt like no one was judging me while I was here. And um, it was actually a phrase that Pastor Cooper said in one of his sermons. He said, are you tired of playing these games? And when he said that, I felt like he was talking straight to me. I knew right then and there I had to give my heart to Christ. And I've felt a complete difference. It's more than just giving my heart to Christ. It's being dedicated. It's being a disciple of Christ and not just reading his word and hearing it, but also doing it as well. When Pastor Cooper preached the uh, Crazy Campaign Halftime Sermon, um, I saw on the back of the card that you could commit to tithing. And I said, okay, something's got to change. So let me go ahead and start making that commitment. And um, ever since I made that commitment, God really did show up. I wasn't like falling out of control or anything like that, but I was definitely content. I was less worried about my finances and things were just going a lot better for me. I could focus more on my studies as opposed to worrying about how am I going to pay for everything. And um, then after that, um, a few months later, Pastor Cooper preached the uh, March Madness sermon. And I had recently gotten baptized a few weeks before that. So I wanted to prove to God that I do trust him in every area, not just my finances, since he had proven to me that he could take care of me financially. And so um, I decided to give to the crazy campaign. And I started out small. You know, I am still a college student. So I decided to give $5 on top of my ties every Sunday, each and every Sunday. And um, that same week on a Wednesday, um, I went home and my mom said, um, did you know you had a check in the mail coming from OU? And I was like, no, I knew nothing about it because usually they send out emails, but I didn't get one. So um, it was on the kitchen counter, went to the kitchen counter, opened it, and the check was in the amount of $555.50. So I don't know if there's a connection between my $5 every Sunday and the check for $555, but I do know that God saw my desire to give and he wanted to applaud me for that. There's a verse that um, I read that when I read it, I always think of people's church. It's 1 Corinthians 10 and 33, and it says, I don't do what is best for me, but I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. And I always think about how everyone here at People's Church is so willing to serve and just give to other people. And from their desire to just see more lives changed, it's just like, how could you not want to be a part of that? Isn't it awesome, man? It really, watching our college students step out in faith like that, it, it really really, really blesses me. And, and here's the deal. As your pastor, I want you to invite God to bless you. In these economic challenging times, I want God to be a part of your life and your financial life. I want you to seek God first. And some of you, you may be like Vanessa, say, Herbert, I just can't afford it. I just can't. Listen, it's not about a, a, a money thing, how much you make. It's about a priority thing. And you've got to rearrange your priorities. Say, God, I'm seeking you for, I don't understand how it's going to all work out, but I know one thing, I'm putting you first. And that's what Vanessa did uh, as a broke college student, say, God, I'm rearranging my priorities and I'm putting you first. And guess what? You get involved in God's deal. You seek him first and his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you as well. I challenge you, would you start today seeking God first and allowing him to bless your life. Number three is this. There's a third barrier that, that, that I want you to see today. A third barrier is greed. Greed. I want you to see this in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 24. The Bible says Israel. So, so, so they saved it until morning. Now, now the Bible is talking about the, the, the Sabbath day. And so on the sixth day, they, excuse me, they, they gathered twice as much. And so they, they, they did that, and the next morning they, they, they had food left over to, to eat, and Moses commanded, and, and, and Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. 
Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath day to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Verse 27, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found None. In other words, they saved, they had the left extra food for the next day, but that wasn't enough. They wanted more. They went back out the seventh day, even though they already had daily bread, they wanted more. There was an element of greed that Israel was struggling with. And all of us struggle with wanting more than we need. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. We all struggle with this sin called called greed. And Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. And most of us pray for our daily desserts. Jesus teaches us to pray for our needs, but a lot of us are focused on our greeds. And and I want you to to, to think about this this verse that that Jesus says. He, He teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Can I tell you, that is a prayer of contentment. Think about it. Give us today. I'm not focused on tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Jesus says what I want you to pray is give us today our daily bread. That is a prayer of contentment. And that prayer, friends, goes against our culture of greed. And I want you to hear what what the Bible says about this thing called, called greed because it is a barrier for us depending and trusting God for daily bread. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6 through 10 says this. Notice this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And man, I, I could preach an entire message right there. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Lord, give me today my daily bread. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Wow. Give me today my daily bread. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, now now this part really jumped out at me this week. Some people eager for money. Some people who are greedy, they're, they're stingy. They seek themselves first instead of God first. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Wow. I mean, they, they were doing that God thing, and they, they were doing the church thing, and they were, they were serving and involved in community groups. They, they, they were plugged into the life of, of the church, and all of a sudden, this greed rose up, this stinginess roll up, rose up. They said, God, I'm going I'm going to do my deal before your deal. I'm going to seek me first before I seek you first. And the Bible says they wandered from the faith. And pierce themselves with many griefs. Can I tell you, friends, greed is a barrier from trusting God for our daily bread. Number four is this. There's a fourth thing that I want to show you. And this fourth thing is so crucial. It's so crucial to depending on God for daily bread. Number four is this. Forgetting you are dependent on God. Forgetting you are dependent on God. And it's easy to forget that we need to be dependent on God, especially when God begins to bless us. And I want you to see what the scripture says regarding Israel. Exodus chapter 16, verse 32, Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. 
take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the desert when I brought you out of Egypt. So, so, so God tells Moses and Israel, he says, what I want you to do, this miracle manna that comes down from heaven every day that I provide for you, I want you to get some of this manna, I want you to put it in a jar, and I want you to keep it so that the generations who follow you will be able to see that I provided daily bread for you in the desert. You see, here's what you have to understand. The, 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 the next generation of Israelites, they did not experience this daily miracle manna from heaven. Matter of fact, the next generation lived in prosperity. The next generation of Israelites, they had their own land. They had houses. They had cattle. They had stuff. And God says, listen, here's what I want Israel to know. I want the generation after you and the next generation and the next generation. I want them to know when it's time, times are rough and it's a poverty time in their life. I want them to be reminded I'll provide for them daily. And when times get good and they have lands and, and houses and more than enough, I want this to be a reminder that I am their God and they need to depend on me daily. And I want you to put this manna in a jar and to remind Israel I'm their God and they need to depend on me in poverty and in prosperity for daily bread. Question, what is it in your life? Well, what's the manna in a jar that will remind you that in poverty times and in prosperity times, that you are absolutely dependent on your Heavenly Father. I'll tell you some things in mine and my wife's life that we've put in place that we don't forget. It's our manna in a jar that we don't forget we're dependent on God. One of the things that we do is we pray before our meals. And I'll be honest, sometimes this comes out of habit. And I'm under conviction over that, and maybe you will be too, but I, I, I want to approach my time before every meal to remember that God has provided daily bread. And we pray, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you that you provided for our family. That we have something to eat, and we just bless you and bless this food to our bodies in Jesus. Just, just a reminder. It's a daily reminder that God providing daily bread and we're dependent on him well, one of the things that my wife and i do is is we are tithers and and every month 10 percent of our income and of course we we give to, to the crazy campaign but it comes out and every month it matter of fact it's automatic giving for us we we we, we, we got it set up online reoccurring so it just automatically comes out every month but you know what that is it, it's man in a jar and it reminds my wife and i you know what we're dependent on god we're not self-made. We didn't do this ourselves. We didn't bless ourselves. God has blessed us, and we put him first. And when that 10% comes out, not only does it, does it stop the greediness in our hearts, but it's a reminder that we are dependent on God. Uh, another thing my wife and I do is just man in a jar, is we frequently, probably two or three times a month, we just sit around and talk about God's blessings. Like last, last night we did that. And we, it was nothing to do with this message. It's just part of our lifestyle. We were outside, and I grilled some, some hamburgers and some dogs last night, and we just sat outside and ate as a family. And we just started talking about God's blessings. My wife and I, we do this all. We just said, man, God's been so good to us. We have a place to live and cars to drive. Man, we can't believe how God's blessed people's church. 
you know what, I've got more than one outfit to wear. We're not worried about what our kids are going to eat today. And we just sit around and say, God has been so good to us. I'm so grateful. I'm so, it's just manna in a jar just to sit down once, twice a month and say, we didn't do this. We're not self-made. Our heavenly father has blessed us. What is your manna in a jar that you don't forget that you are dependent on God? Give us today our daily bread. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, help us to lean on.